Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's so exciting to be here. Are you guys excited to be here today? Oh my gosh, I think I was jumping up um, at my seat during worship. It was so awesome and such a a great preparation for everything that we're going to continue to dive into today as we get into part two of this series called The Struggle Bus. We all know what the struggle bus is. Either we have been on that struggle bus, we are about to be on a struggle bus, or we just got off a struggle bus. All of us find ourselves in either one of those three categories at some point. But last week, Clay prepared us so well in part one where he talked about training versus trying and positioning ourselves to prepare for the things that lay ahead as opposed to just saying, I think I'll figure it out as I go. And so if you missed that last week, you definitely want to check it out. But today we're going to talk about a topic that's very dear to me and it's very personal to me and it's something that I have actually struggled with myself. So teaching this is both a challenge and a privilege. But what I realized is that one thing that will basically guarantee all of us an assigned seat on the struggle bus is comparison. Comparison is something we all deal with. It's nothing new. And every one of us deals with comparison at some point of our life. In fact, I actually believe comparison can start as early as in our childhood. I actually uh, um, realized that because it's, it's almost like it starts as a little ember, a little, a little coal that's burning. It starts that small in our childhood, I believe. There was this thing that they used to have in my school called show and tell. Anybody remember show and tell? Show and tell was fun for the most part. I enjoyed show and tell. And I remember one instance where um, I, took, I went to show and tell and you know, your parents wouldn't let you take all of your toys. They wouldn't let you take your, your best things. And so I picked something that my mom allowed, and it was my um, Cabbage Patch doll. I had a beautiful little Cabbage Patch doll, and I loved her. And I was the only girl, so I, I had all the little girly, frilly things. And so I took my Cabbage Patch doll to show and tell, and I was so proud to show her off when it was my turn. But then some other girl in my class showed up with a doll as well. But she had this porcelain <laughs> doll with this nice fancy dress on and all this makeup that was so much prettier than my little handmade uh, Cabbage Patch doll. And I found myself wishing that I had her doll instead of appreciating the one that I had. All of a sudden, I didn't necessarily want to play with this doll that much anymore. Now I want to ask my mama, can I get a porcelain doll? And so that, 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 that comparison started even then. 
as a little ember. And then sometimes comparison can grow into a flame. Most times in, as we dive into maybe middle and high school, when we start to get into competitions and games and sports. And for me, it was music competitions. You had solo and ensemble. I played instruments and I was in the choir and you had to audition for things. And you're comparing yourself to the other people who are competing against you for spots for solos or for spots in the game. I tried to play sports. That really wasn't my thing. I auditioned for the basketball team. (laughs) See, I even said auditioned for a basketball team. I tried out for the basketball team and I made the water girl. So that was really not my space. But the music thing, I kind of, I thrived at, but it became more challenging. It became this flame in me, this competing for spots and things. And I'm sure many of you have experienced that. And so what once was an ember had become this flame of comparison. And then there was an introduction of this thing that many of us know far too well. And it's called social media. Social media has virtually turned comparison into a hobby. It's actually a daily activity that almost every one of us in here dives into. And as I was looking into this, I found a a research, uh, according to the broadband research, we spend approximately 2.45, about two and a half hours a day in social media. Two and a half hours Of 24 hours in a day, we spend on social media alone. Not even TV and social media. I'm talking about just social media. And there's this thing called the 10,000 hour rule that I heard about. And according to the 10,000 hour rule, it takes 10,000 hours of dedicated time in something for you to become an expert at it. And so essentially, if it takes two 10,000 hours and I spend two and a half hours a day In approximately 11 years, I will have become an expert at social comparison. I wonder how many of us can write a book on social comparison because of the amount of time that we have spent becoming experts at social comparison. And now what once was an ember and turned into a flame has been doused with years of social comparison and has many of us um, becoming into this brush fire of comparison, this, this, this thing that is completely out of control and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Where every time we turn around, we're comparing ourselves. And nothing else in history has perpetuated comparison like social media. And what's so crazy about it is that none of us are above it. None of us are immune to it. It impacts each and every one of us. We all go touched by this thing. And the crazy part about social media, especially when it comes to posts on Instagram and things of that nature, we don't compare post to post. I don't look at somebody's post and say, wow, that was so creatively done. What a nice post. No, I'm actually comparing their post to my real life. And think about it, who, who doesn't take time? I do, I do this, I'm guilty. I have this thing on my phone just for filters to take pictures. It's called Snapchat. Snapchat has these wonderful pictures where I don't have to put any makeup on. It just puts this nice sheen over my face. And so you go through and you kind of slide through. Come on, don't act like y'all don't do this. You slide through and you find the, 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 the sheen that looks best for you. You would take that picture. Oh, no, 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 not that one. And then you take another one. Oh, yeah, this is the one. 
And this is what we're comparing to. Oh my gosh, her skin is flawless. You didn't see that filter on that picture? Or you take a picture with your family in front of a house. Somebody is actually taking the time to crop this picture so perfectly where you see the part where the paint hasn't chipped off yet. You see the part where the, 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 the garage door hasn't been slammed into. But they take this picture of their family in front of the house and you think, oh, they live such a great life. Or on the outside, it looks picture perfect. But on the inside, it's got stuff from floor to ceiling and you can barely walk in. But we think... Their life is perfect, and we find ourselves comparing to others. And when the truth is finally told, comparison kills. Comparison kills. April, what does it kill? It kills our character. It kills our character. For some of us who who feel like we've got it all together and we want to show everybody all the hot stuff we have, all the new stuff we have, we can develop this sense of superiority. The sense of arrogance and pride and we live in this space and we display this place. But for those of us who may be on the flip side, we start growing envy and anger and bitterness and jealousy. So comparison can kill our character. It also kills our confidence. We, self, we, we live in self-pity because we don't have what other people have. We become insecure about who we are and what we look like. And we find ourselves in this space of self-loathing. You just don't like yourself. And I have to be honest, this was a hard one for me. This was a really, really hard one for me. And, and, and there's always going to be someone who's better at something than you are. There's always going to be somebody stronger or smarter or better looking or thinner or more successful or more popular than you. This was an issue for me. This really was hard. I think it started for me even as a child. Even as a child, it started for me. There's one particular story. I think I was in middle or high school. And I grew up in this home, uh, what we called a sanctified home. And there were certain things I just could not wear. Like I was not one of those girls whose mama let her wear her belly out or, you know, shirts or skirts, uh, skirts that were too short. Everything had to be below the knee. I actually wanted to try out for, uh, uh, to be a cheerleader one time. And my mom was like, sure, you can do that, but I think I'm going to have to make your skirt. They're too short. I was like, never mind, mom, no cheering for me. Won't be doing that. But that's the kind of house I grew up in. And so I always compared myself to my other friends, and I always thought they were prettier than I was. They could even have hairstyles that I couldn't do. They could do all kinds of things, but there was this one point where I think it was middle of high school. My mom let me go to the mall with my girlfriends. And so I put on my favorite outfit. I had saved up some money and I bought this outfit and I had this pretty green shirt on with some puff sleeves and some white uh, shorts with some black little flowers on it or whatever. I thought I was super cute. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing that day. And I go to the mall with my girlfriends, and this is what you do in middle and high school. You just walked around to see boys. That's what you did. And so we're at the mall, and I'm walking with my friends, and, you know, everybody's got their little strut on. And this group of guys start walking our way. Ooh-wee, those boys look good. And we can see them, and you start nudging the girl, and you're just like, oh, you see them? Yeah, don't look, don't look, don't look. And they start coming our way. And of course, I'm with these beautiful girls. There's no way in the world that anybody would ever see me. This is how I felt. And all of a sudden, one of the boys, he, he hollered out. He's like, hey, shawty, shawty with the green shirt on. Me? Did he? I am just, he called me. He's like, yeah, you with the green shirt on. Come here for a second. Let me holler at you. 
That's, what, that's how we talk when, I, when in my neighborhood. Let me holler at you. I was like, oh, my gosh. He called me. My friends was like, go ahead, girl, go. And so I'm all nervous and shy. My heart's just beating so fast. And I finally get up to the boy. He was like, hey, what's up? I was like, what's up? How you doing? And he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. He said, what's your friend's name? Right. That's exactly how I felt. And my little heart just sank all to the ground. And I was like, oh, yeah. Her name is Melissa. Hey, can you go get her number for me? Sure. And this insecure girl became that much more insecure. And my confidence in myself, my my ability to see the value in myself just shrank. And I struggled with insecurity for years. So comparison kills your confidence. It also kills your contentment. It kills your ability to be satisfied with what you have. Comparison makes it virtually impossible to be content or grateful. You're always dissatisfied. Nothing matters. I can get something, but it's not enough. I got to get to the next level. Oh, no, I got to get to the next place. Oh, no, I have to achieve the next thing, and I'm never satisfied. Comparison also kills clarity. Your ability to see clearly what you do have. And comparison muddies the path that God has laid out for your life because you're so busy looking at what God's doing in somebody else's. And so you can't see which way you're supposed to go because the clouds are there because you're busy comparing. And finally, comparison kills courage. It kills your courage. Courage is the ability to do something that you're maybe frightened to do. And comparison kills that. So I want to ask you a question. How many times have we felt God nudging us or leading us in a certain direction to take a certain step, to take a certain leap of faith in a direction that you hadn't planned for your life? How many times have we found ourselves being led down a way and we hesitate and we find ourselves living in limbo because we are afraid because we're judging ourselves against what other people's are, people are doing and what their lives hold. And based on our ability and our worth and our impact, can I impact life the way they are? Can I be as successful as they are? And we base ourselves, we judge ourselves based on somebody else's proverbial uh, perfect life. And we find ourselves in this limbo place. It's not new. This isn't the first time that this has happened. And actually, there's this amazing story that we find in the book of Numbers that I want to kind of dive into. We're actually, a few of us here on staff, we started this journey through the Bible this year. And we've just read this. So this is super fresh for me. But there's this narrative, this story in the book of Numbers about these people called the children of Israel. And they were enslaved in Egypt. And they had been crying out to God for years to deliver them. And he had done it. God had delivered them out of Egypt. And in Exodus, we see that God showed three very distinct things about himself. In Exodus, God made a promise to the children of Israel that he was going to provide them a land flowing with milk and honey and that he would give them victory over the inhabitants of that land. He made a promise to them. And he also displayed his power. He delivered them out of the the hand of Egypt. 
If you remember the story, there were 10 plagues that came and totally destroyed the Egyptians because the Pharaoh didn't want to let God's people go. And then God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. And as they were in the wilderness, they were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He displayed his power so beautifully. And then while they were also in that space, God gave them provision. He provided for them perfectly. He met every single solitary need that they had. The Bible even says their shoes didn't even wear out. He gave them manna every day and quail fell from heaven. And he provided water for them from a rock. God showed himself mighty and strong. He gave them a promise. He showed his power and he showed there that he was a God who would provide. And so now we come to the time where it's time to take over the land. It's time to step into the land. It's time to step into this space. And so Moses provides very clear, specific instructions, and he sends 12 spies into the land. He sends these 12 spies, and he tells them very specific instructions on what they are to do. And so in Numbers chapter 13, we find out what they're supposed to do. He says to go into there, and I want you to look for the people, and I find out, are they strong or are they weak? He says, take a look at the land. Is it a good land or is it a bad land? Are there trees in the land? Is there soil? Is it fertile? Is it bad soil? He says, bring back fruit so we can see how good the fruit is. He also told them to look at the town. Is it fortified? Is it walled? Or is is it unprotected? He says, go get the lay of the land and bring us back a report. And so in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, they spent 40 days there in the land and they come back and they give the report. And they said, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. So he gives the layout. He gives the report. He gives them exactly what Moses told them to return. And then Caleb says this. He says, then Caleb silenced the people. Hey, everybody, shh, before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb had no doubts. Why? Because God made a promise. God had shown his power and God had given provision already. So Caleb's like, come on, let's go. Let's take this land. Then this word pops up again. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They gave a bad report. They go on to say, they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. Look at this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked to them the same. Are you kidding me? They had seen the great and mighty God give them a promise, show his power and provide provision. And they had the nerve to come back and say, based on what they saw, we seemed to ourselves 
like grasshoppers, the smallest of small insects, they liken themselves to something as small as a grasshopper because of comparison. And now God's promise and his provision and his power are overridden by doubt and discouragement and disappointment, disobedience and disqualification. I wish I could dive further into the story, but I want to encourage you to go read in numbers and you'll see that because of this report and because of their doubt and discouragement, they disobeyed God and ended up being disqualified from going into the promised land. They couldn't even go in. They wandered in the wilderness on a struggle bus for 40 years until they died. God was like, if you can't trust me, you don't trust the power I've shown you. You don't trust the, 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 the promise I gave you, nor do you trust me to provide for you. I can't let you see it. You've disqualified yourself. And ultimately what we find is that comparison kills purpose. It eradicates it. God can't even allow you to step into what he has for you because you are so busy comparing to other people. But you are not alone. Many of us are struggling. We struggle with our kids. We compare our kids to other people's kids. Well, my son or my daughter didn't get into this school and your son or your daughter did. Or what's worse, we compare our kids to their siblings. The oldest kid came, they were easy breezy, they obey. They love to see you coming in the door. Hey, daddy, hey, mommy, can I help you bring the groceries in? Can I help wash the dishes? Can I fold the clothes too? And you're just like, I love this kid. And then the second one comes along and they just lazy as all. Get out. You got to wake them up in the morning. They don't listen. They disobey. They're running around. And you're just like, what? And sometimes we compare our children to the other child. And the kids start to feel that tension and feel like you love this one more than you love that one. We struggle with that. We struggle with comparison in our marriages. I want the relationship they have. Oh my gosh, they just went on a vacation to Italy. Honey, can we go to Italy? They got a free trip. They didn't tell you that part. Somebody donated that trip to them. They can't afford that trip, but we don't know that. Why? All we know is what we see. We see that they're doing this. We see that they bought a new house. We see that they got a new car and we're comparing ourselves. Honey, can we? Honey, can I? Or your husband opens the door for you and your husband doesn't. It's okay. But we're so busy beating. I did this. Oh, I did this to my poor husband. I was raised with a dad who opened every door for my mother. He had my brothers open the door for me all my life. So as I'm raising my kids, they open the door for me. But then I met my husband. His mama didn't teach him that. (laughs) And so I remember going to my first door and I'm standing there waiting. And he's like, and he walked in the door. He's like, what you waiting on? I'm like, aren't you going to open it? It was a fight for what? Because I'm comparing what you're supposed to do based on what I see from other people. Or even in my singleness, it was hard. I'm sitting around waiting. Where you at? Where's he at, Lord? Especially for my single friends in here. You're waiting. And I'm like, if I get asked to sing at one more wedding, I am not doing it. I want my own wedding. 
But you see your friends getting married and you find yourself comparing, like, why not me? What's wrong with me? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not good enough? Do I not make enough money? And we compare our lives to other people, and that is not what God has for us. But we all find ourselves there at some point or another. So you're like, okay, April, I hear you. I'm on the bus. I, I get it. I'm on this bus. How do I guard myself against comparison? How do I keep myself from doing this? Number one, appreciate you. Express gratitude for everything about who you are. God made you the way you are. Your quirks, your nerdiness, your your headiness, everything. He made you that way. Celebrate you. Give thanks in everything. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you're single, celebrate and give thanks for being single. If your marriage is kind of struggling right now, give thanks that you're still working on it. There's so many things to give thanks for. I remember when I had my stroke in 2018 and I was in the hospital, I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to make it out of there. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to read again. I didn't know so many things. And, and my husband, we would sing songs that praised God and thanked God for who he was. Because if I can focus on God's goodness and his faithfulness and his mercy, I won't stress myself out about what's going on. Why? Because he's in charge anyway. So give thanks in everything. Be thankful for the life that you have, recognizing that no one can live your life for you. No one can be better at being you than you. He only made one of you. So how in the world can you fulfill your life's purpose if you're so busy looking at somebody else's? Your life gets left undone and your children don't get the father they deserve. Your children don't get the mother they deserve because you're so busy comparing. Be the best you that you can possibly be, the best boss, the best employee, the best husband, wife, or daughter, whatever it is, be the best at that. Appreciate you. And secondly, applaud others. Yes, applaud others. Identify those people in your life that you found yourself a little jealous of and intentionally celebrate them. On purpose, when your girlfriend gets married, go and be the loudest one there celebrating. When your your family or your friends, somebody that you find yourself uh, jealous of, when they get a new house, celebrate them. I used to do this. I had wanted a house for so long and I kept struggling. And I was like, Lord, I want a house. And every time one of my friends would get a new house, I probably, I intentionally made it a point to be the first one to be like, hey, can I help you move in? Do you need me to scrub the plates? Do you need me to scrub the toilet? Because if God can do it for you, he's going to do it for me. So I'm going to celebrate with you when God blesses you. And it changes your heart. It allows God to fix you so that you don't inhibit your own blessings because you're so worried and jealous about other people. Pray for their success. Pray and celebrate with them. And, And it brings humility and it purifies your heart in the process. Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It rots the bones, and that is not what we want. So appreciate you. Applaud others. And I love this one. Amplify purpose. Amplify purpose. Increase in size and magnitude purpose. Fulfilling your God-given purpose should be your very, very top priority. 
Not being the best at your job, not being the best wife or husband. Your top priority should be fulfilling God's purpose in your life, and you should pursue it relentlessly. Not based on what others are doing and not based on what you hold in your hand. God can do everything he needs to do with what he's given you. Pursue purpose. After I had that that stroke and I realized my life, the number of my days was not in my hands, I was like, okay, Lord, if there's anything else going on in my life that's just wasting my time, I don't want to do that anymore. I need to live a life on purpose. I need to live a life focused on what you sent me here to do because you get to say when that time is up. And when I go, I want to be able to say I left doing exactly what God called me to do. And you can't step into that purpose if you are afraid and comparing yourself to other people. Because I didn't think I'd be up here doing what I'm doing now. I don't speak like this person. I don't do this. Let me sing. I'm good with singing. But God was like, no, if I tell you to talk, I just want you to talk. Okay, God, okay. And I just dove into it. And when you step into purpose, everything else starts to become so much less important. And some of you may be asking, well, April, I don't know what my purpose is. Purpose unfolds as we keep our eyes away from comparison and fixed on the one who gives us life and purpose. That's where you find it. Proverbs 19:21 says, "Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will always prevail." So if it's his purpose that's going to prevail anyway, why not tap into that? And not worry about what's going on over here or over there, but just dive steadily into the purpose in which God has created you. Pursue it with everything you have. And when I struggle in that area, it gets challenging. But I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want to encourage you to not allow comparison to make you lose sight of God's promise of God's power and God's provision because comparison kills, it destroys. And so oftentimes I I heard this song one day that reminded me of that and I thought I would share that with you because I don't wanna be a person who lives in this comparison thing, just on this struggle bus all the time because I constantly compare. So I hope this song blesses you too. my world where almost everyone has what they need other nations live with sickness but over here we die from jealousy cause it makes you chase what's not meant to be chased cause you've possessed it all along to steal and hide what is real comparison kills Mm, you spend all night admiring pictures they make life look perfect as they should but you don't know the picture story 
how long it took to make it good. It makes you consider shoes you don't like. But when that shoe doesn't fit, wear what you will, despite how they feel, comparison. Should be one of a kind. You're one of a kind. We all want to be successful and get mad when God's not in a rush. Waste your time just making copies. You'll see you did not accomplish much. See, pressure gets hot, and with heat comes mirages. So you think it's cool over there, but your thirst is real. But water can't feel what comparison kills. Mm-hmm. He feels what you God to heal what comparison kills. Lord. Comparison is a destroyer of character, of confidence, of clarity. courage it kills and destroys our purpose and God that is not the life that you have for us and there are many of us in this room right now and we're struggling we're on that bus Lord we're guilty of comparing and we're realizing that we haven't been living our life on purpose our genuine life the one you sent us here to live so God search our hearts even now Show us those places in our lives where we need to stop comparing, where we need to focus in on who you've called us to be and the power and the provision and and the, the promise that you've given us, Lord. We know that you're good. We've seen what you've done in our past lives, Lord. We've seen even what you've done for others. God, we know surely you will do this for us. But God, even if you chose not to, the plan and the purpose that you have for us is good and it's pure. Your word says that you cause all things to work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, help us heal those parts of our hearts that are broken because we compare. And God, give us everything we need in order to applaud others, Lord God, in order to appreciate us and to amplify purpose, a purpose in living a life dedicated to walking out the one that you have called for us. And we'll make sure that we give you all praise and all glory and all honor. Why? Because you deserve every single solitary bit of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.